And we're live. Ah, all right. I'm exhausted. Are you exhausted? Why? I've been doing Julie's dishes all week. <laughs> <laughs> one plate. One and, plate eating. And to buying the her lunches dishwasher. all week. Well, I've been busy. Yeah. With a dog. It's my <laughs> There's a dog in the office. Why are you so bitter about my dog? I'm not. I'm not bitter. He feels for you. But you owe me about 15 quid. <laughs> I tried to give you it yesterday. You wouldn't take any money. You heard it here Even first. told you, anyway, it's not my dog. So I'm, I'm dog sitting this week. Mm. He's been very good. He has been very good. Anyway, if we hear some barking in the background, it's just kill the dog. But he'll be fine. That's good. So anyway, that is that the extent of the pre-pod this week? I've not got any bad. I just, I just really, 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 really want to get into what Chris is going to talk about today because I'm very excited. I mean, why is it always me? It's not why. Why is it always you, Chris? That's a question. It's not always you. It's a good topic, and you're there. So, but anyway, let's 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 go. Welcome to the Good Roundup. Good is a brand consultancy. We're based in the United Kingdom. And from time to time, myself and my colleagues, Mr. Chris Lumsden. Hello. And Ms. Julie Murdoch. Hello. Uh, we get together and we just like to talk about the, the branding stuff, really, and just kind of have a wee chat about it and just see what's going on. And, and today, as I say, and I'm not lying, Unlike the last one, which I thought was a terrible article, but uh, not a terrible article, it was a bit boring <laughs> about you. it was Thank a bit you. boring about brand workshops, but actually was fascinating. This one for me actually fascinating's Chris, maybe a bit of a stretch. No, I, I, was, I, was, I was I was I was mildly surprised at how interesting it was. And then this one though, this one though, when Chris mentioned it, I went, nah, now we're cooking with gas. And so Chris it's another nice short one though, isn't it? There's another nice a wee a wee in and outy, uh, but let's not leave our listeners hanging in suspense for much longer. Chris, what is it we're going to talk about today? Um, I wrote an article in November, so it betrays the fact we've got nothing really new to talk about, but it was about, um, I went to a research group and um, the article was called Why the Status Quo is the Real Competition. Oh, so insightful. Yeah. It just, there's a number of things that happened, but it kind of all ended up. And this was on the back of you being present at a bit of customer research mm, wasn't mm. and it just it's always great to be at these sessions because you always learn something or something always slaps you in the face to go um get out of the office and and hear, hear takes us out of our little yeah, idealistic brand bubble and the point was that you know it's always as, as i've just said insightful to hear people talk about stuff from the mundanity of of everyday life rather than the rarefied atmosphere of a boardroom so it was interesting. And so do you what, I mean, I, I can burst straight into it and tell you all about it. But oh. So I went to this group and we were working for a client. Um, it's a service brand. I'm not going to say who it is. And it's great. The client's great and, and the work's great and we love it. And we, we had this new, in the boardroom, it ticked all the boxes. You know, it's all ready to go in terms of proposition. And, and you know, we'd done all, all the homework. So we were looking to just fine tune some aspects. We wanted to get the consumer view, which I think was good. Because, you know, actually the way it stood, we probably didn't need to. Or the, there was a feeling that we may not have needed to. But everything in the proposition and, and the service researched well. But, you know, in listening to what was said and reading between the lines, you do begin to understand and see that there is a real difference between the kind of, as I say, the sterility and the kind of rational world of the boardroom and then the, the real emotional reality of what's happening for the customer in the real world. And it just, it just lays it bare and exposes it for you and you can choose to see it or, or, or not, you know? Does that make sense? It does make sense. 
So, you know, it, it, although, as, as I say, although the proposition researched well and people said that it was interesting, it was also slightly disappointing in that there wasn't a massive clamour to say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I would definitely go through the pain that I know I need to go through to, to make that a reality because the service was... We all know in our everyday lives, I mean, I've just tried to change my Apple ID <laughs> password. And, oh, and we've all been yeah. and it's passengers on that journey, but, haven't we? But what, what we tend to do is underestimate, <coughs> underclub and underestimate the friction, the customer friction, and overestimate the upside. And I think consumers don't do that. We ought not, you know what I mean? And the I think the effort. Yeah, and also I think layered onto that is the fact that you, we can you know, come from a position of assuming that a customer is looking for change, whereas you have to be pretty on, even if the new proposition is markedly different and better, you, have, you still have to be in a pretty unhappy position with your current provider to yes. be willing to take on all of that risk of change and what yes. that looks like. So it's and, and so that's why the article, I think, which is nicely after that intro framing it, is why status quo is the real competition as opposed to other another providers. bank or yeah. another or another whatever. It's and not you, yeah, you said something just before we came live, which was that the customer isn't interested in the competition. And w we do that all the time for our clients. And I think clients do it as well. They're over overly interested in the competitive set rather than the status mm. quo. Yeah. Well, and they also, you know, again, this was to Stuart's point, and we've seen it a lot, I would say, but probably just because we've seen it, you know, I've seen it more in the space in terms of B2B, lots of kind of tends to be product-led, often tech organisations where the nuance in terms of features that, just you know, differentiate one offer one product from another is something that the product teams live day to day but from a consumer point of view or from a customer point of view it's you know they don't know and, and the, yeah there's that inertia and in you know, it's, B2B oh, they, tech. They, I know that you know we know that competitor x doesn't do that and our product does this but you know from a yeah. customer point of view the the but knowledge the, around that is so limited yeah the, the, the kind of the customer has no information of state of the art so many, we've sat there, Julian, you know, we'll show them a competitor set and it looks great. And then the client will go, ah, but the thing is with them is that they do it with a widget that's blue and we do it with a widget that's red. So blue is actually not as good as red. So they shouldn't be there. And so that shouldn't be there. Good. But that's not, from a customer perspective, A, do they care? And B, they don't have that insight that you do. So mm -hmm. that doesn't really matter. So I think... If you need to get to page 18 on the website oh, to yeah, figure it to out, learn, then yeah. you're lost, aren't you? But And these things aren't earth-shattering, but it does mm -hmm. always kind of sober you up from the, the world that we, that we work in, you know. There's that previous example of everyone kind of knows, I think, about the you're more likely to get divorced than change your bank account that came out a wee while ago. And and that, I think, is a perfect example of the inertia that keeps people in the status quo because you just can't be arsed. I did actually right? change my bank account, so maybe I'm all right on well, the divorce. Well, maybe I'm all Yeah, the divorce. But, but the, the effort, what well, the point is, yeah. The, the negative energy that has to go into doing that. Making a significant It's just not worth it. Well, I mean, I, I've changed my bank account, but the pain I was getting from my current bank was so bad that the balance was kind of going, well, I, I don't know how difficult this is going to be, but it can't be as hard as can't be any worse. The, pain, <laughs> yeah. the pain I've got with these guys. So, I mean, it really is, you're, you're just maybe knocking it back to next month and everything. But, I mean, it is painful. And I think also, you know, the status quo is very very powerful because mm -hmm. you know it's like 38 percent of all b2b transactions yes. result in zero and nothing happening because it's it's too hard and there's because there's, there's more complexity yeah right? yeah it's kind of and it's a bigger spend and there's more ego on the line because if you fuck it up you're going to get 
Yeah, the risk the, attached. The, yeah, well. there's a lot of things. So, in there do you think it's that. fair to say that many brands and potentially clients underestimate that the customer friction and inertia and and what actually they have to do to, I, to change? I think it's easier to look at the competition and see what they're doing and use that as a proxy for customer research. Mm. They kind of go, that's you know, interesting. You know mm. they kind of go, well, look, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. They're only talking about this, so that's obviously therefore what's working. we need to do that. Yeah, yeah, we need to do that because that's obviously because they've probably done the research that we have not sometimes it's a thing and i don't think that's necessarily the case they're probably just as daft as you are yeah there I is that the, there's that inside out bias isn't there about we know what our customers want yeah and, and without really knowing yeah without really know without actually without actually kind of working out what you know we've julie and i have been doing work on this but you know what what is the competitive set and it's not it's usually not a competitor it's usually something that they've already you did, yeah you did first. it recently tell yeah, us about that one which was uh, it wasn't anything it was it was i mean it's the cliche is when you look at the, the generalization on positioning it's kind of like the competitor set is not a comp a competitor it's something like excel that's what you're beating or pa pen and paper or, pa or pen and mm. paper that's what you're trying to beat that's the status quo it's not and mm -hmm. it's usually not it's, it's actually they've got a system that works that may, when you get the customer to describe it, sound insane. Yeah. You know, because it's there. But actually, for all, it, it's just too painful to think about moving on to something else. I'm sure that happens the, with some oh, we had it. products like we Salesforce. Had it. With oh, we Excel. had it with yeah. Paprika. With oh, Paprika, yes. yeah. yeah. Awful. Oh, it. And then we incurred a huge amount of cost to take it out because the pain wasn't worth it. I know, that was but my I think, fault. remember, I it was your fault. We yeah, yeah, still yeah, hold it against you. Yeah. Um, but I think, and we, you know, going way back to the relatively early days of the smart home, remember, having we had this conversation with a client who was launching a new connected thermostat and again it was the same you know you get so wrapped up in looking at the nests of the time you know the nests the hive all the competitors in inverted commas whereas the competition at that point was a, a standard programmable thermostat that most people had installed it's like why would i take out you remember stuart making this point the client why why would a customer risk taking out something that works absolutely fine and does his job and has limited maintenance and upkeep for something that is much more complicated might break that there's security risks around there's lots and it's, it's that kind of yeah. yeah and when you think about it that way you go of course they wouldn't why would yeah you would have to be you know <laughs> uh, or in a very different you know you have to be at the far end of that we, we leave our, sometimes we leave our brains at the door when we come to work when marketing don't we it's weird mm. you just forget it, about it's the, the challenge of bursting out your framework because it's quick go-tos and everything else and it's actually it's actually trying to look at it in a different way so for example i'm talking to somebody just now and they said to me look there's a really good group in facebook of people that use our product i went that's the last people i want to talk to <laughs> there's something wrong and with you said, i don't i don't want to talk to they they are not i want to talk to the 99.99 percent of people who are not using their product i said there's some there, there might be something interesting Enthusiasts. in there yeah i don't want to talk to them because they're they're the they're the cream the exception there and it's the 99.9 percent .9%. but you know to, to be fair to the client went yeah no we get that we get that but it, they're, they're just excited to see people engage with the product whereas i'm more excited about the people that are not engaging mm. why are they not moving on why are they not taking this so and competitive set especially now is easy because you just go onto websites and go they're saying this and they're saying so it's actually quite easy so to yeah do that, so what to, we're to saying that. is that clients and brands should spend a bit more time really digging into the reality for the customer and understanding mm. the customer I and their world rather than the, the competitive, the competitive set, set. Right? and i think and this is a little bit of a, a kind of a side or a segue i suppose into but i think and we touched on this earlier there was a there's a gartner survey of i think it was about 750 b2b organizations and they were basically 
looking at different organisational buyer types. And it's again, it's that point about 38% of B2B purchases ending in no decision. And the, the point of the article, or point of the survey was saying that, you know, something like 94% of B2B purchases are made during organisational change. So the ability to implement a new solution or whatever ultimately comes down to that organisation's attitude toward change and risk and the risk and associated timing. with it and timing. So there's a broader piece that talks about kind of personas and the mistake that marketeers make looking at focusing on individual personas versus how does that organization behave so they talk about mm. organizations with very sick fixed systems and structures versus mm-hmm. those at the other end of the spectrum who have um, an appetite for change that's backed very much by resource commitments to make that so the the kind of ability to move away from the status quo depends largely on how that organization views strange views change their appetite for innovation, their willingness to take risk, you know, who's involved in the decision-making pr- process. And when you process, think about it, there's a lot that needs to come together stuff. for that to for happen. That to, yeah, particularly with B2B purchases, which tend to be much more significant and complex, often capital investments or whatever, the, the risk and decision-making attached to that is, is yeah, often so we, huge. So we, uh, the mistake we made is to oversimplify that transactional process. Well, I mean, when, you, when we do any kind of customer journey work, the first question we ask is, tell me about the day you decided to change x and the answer is never well we got a competitor set (laughs) (laughs) it's never that it's always a problem it's a problem that they need to change to solve and that's where it comes from and and competitor set in theory when they decide to go online and google stuff is quite far down the line it's not it's not the first thing they do because there's got to be they're looking for alternatives they're looking for things to plug gaps they're looking for yeah they don't care no it's not it's not the we saw a bunch of competitors mm-hmm. to the company we thought it would be interesting. They're either pissed off or something broken. It's yeah. a good starting point. Be, Consumers yeah. basically don't give a shit about Customers, brands yeah. or, or anything. You know. Well, and I think it's off, in the B2B space, it may not be anything to do with the fact that you're not happy with the status quo. It could be to do with, you know, changing operations or mm-hmm. regulation or something else that's driving a need to, to kind of look at a new solution rather than, like you say, I'm not happy with what I've got. And so what are the you know, what are the alternatives? Yeah, and I think, you know, brands have got to kind of understand that we play a very small part in a customer's thing. And we may as well try and make it count. And it's trying to get to that point about what does make it count mean? And is it adding value or being clear or helping or being useful is really where you're going to be. Rather, That will help change the status quo rather Mm. than just kind of a bit of hand-waving and we're here, we're here and we're amazing, we're brilliant. So, yeah. Cool. That's it. Uh, so basically, if we're doing some research, let's always look at what the state's quo is, Rather as well as what the competition is. Yeah. 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 That's it. That's a very nice, a very simple short. takeaway. Listen, man, I'm in for the wee snacks. I mean, I'm a I'm a snacking kind of guy. <laughs> snack. A little pod snack. I like a pod snack. I like the word snack. Shorts. Snack. Snacky snack. That that and the guys who are editing the podcast will like it a lot when I go snack. Is that well, oh, they don't like the pop. What uh, do they call it? I don't know. Uh, their job. <laughs> their job. <laughs> thanks, boys. Thanks, boys. Right. Anyway, thanks. Well, that was fun. That and was Kilo, like, Kilo Dog didn't bark once. No dog interruptions. Well done, Kilo <laughs> He's Dog. He's asleep. Well done, Kilo. All right. All right, guys. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks. See you soon. Bye.